0: Hello and welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it usually works. In each episode, a different guest comes on, asks me three questions, and we have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them. That's it. No fluff, straight to the actionable tips, no stories about what people did in kindergarten. Nobody cares. Hopefully, give you some actionable stuff that you can put to use to grow your audience and business. Today's episode is going to do that, but it's going to be slightly different because this is going to be a flip the script episode. Which means instead of someone coming on and asking me questions, I brought on a special guest who I've been stalking for years and whose expertise I want to learn from. So I'll ask her the three questions. A quick note before I introduce her, if you're watching or listening to this show, I assume it's because you want to grow your audience or business. Either that or you've somehow made a wrong turn and got lost in the internet and you've got bigger problems. Anyway, if you want to learn simple, non-shady ways to grow your audience and business, then in addition to this podcast, you should check out my Skill Sessions. They're a series of one-hour video presentations where I teach you how to do things like get clients, create products, define your niche, grow your newsletter, and all sorts of other fun stuff like that. You can check them out at joshspector.com sessions. If you like my podcast, you will love my Skill Sessions. Okay, that's enough promotion. Let's get on to today's guest. Today, my guest is Hillary Weiss Presswood. Hillary is a creative director and positioning strategist who helps creative service providers develop their statement piece brands and become absolutely unmissable in their corner of the market. Through her weekly newsletters and social media presence, she provides herself on getting to the guts of things and sharing insights on every aspect of her work, from concepting to differentiation, positioning, creating your own visual language, and the Ups and Downs from over a decade in the entrepreneurial trenches. You can find her on Instagram at HC Weiss, where she shares videos, writings, and extremely silly deep dives. And you should come say hey over there because she doesn't bite or so she claims. So with that in <laughs> yeah. mind, hey, Hillary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Hey, Josh, thank you so much for having me. I've been so excited to do this because I know your podcast is much beloved. So it's just such a delight to be here. And I'm really excited for what we're digging into today.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to I'm gonna say this up front, which I do not usually do and no pressure to you, but I'm going to call my shot that people are going to be amazed and entertained by everything that you are about to, to say and talk about. Because Hillary really, as anyone knows, I think that follows any of my stuff, like I'm such a believer in unique things, unique positioning, unique sort of angles and formats and and all of that. And Hillary is definitely unique. And I think it cuts through and, and stands out on all of this stuff. Trust me, you're about to get, get a bunch of awesome stuff.
1: About to be a fire hose to the face. <laughs> letting yeah, back away.
0: A, exactly. All right, let's jump into the first question. So the first thing that I wanna know is I wanna start with this concept of what you call a statement piece which I think is incredibly valuable and important. It's too often overlooked and misunderstood. I see so many people that, both in the way they describe what they do and oftentimes in the things they do themselves are completely generic. They sound like a million other things that are out there. So explain to me what you consider a statement piece to be And then I'd love to hear you talk about what are the first three things, besides hiring you, obviously, what are the first three things someone should do to start clarifying their statement piece for themselves?
1: Absolutely. Great question, Josh. Let me get right into it. We're getting right into the meat (laughs) and potatoes here. In terms of what a statement piece is, in my definition, we are over at Statement Piece Studio, LLC, creating statement piece brands, essentially. And that is a brand with a really incredibly unique point of view, personal philosophy, and position in the market, and then the visual language and messaging that sort of comes around that. And the reason I came up with that idea, this was, I think, back in 2017 or 2018. Yeah, well, far, far enough ago mm-hmm. that it feels long, but short. But I think the initial aha uh-huh I had to create the idea of the statement piece brand was I had a branding mentor at the time mm-hmm. ask me when it comes to especially personal branding in the online business space, especially in the creative service provider space, it's so important to, of course, be able to differentiate yourself because there's so much noise. But she asked me a really interesting question, which is, when you think about your day-to-day life, when you think about the way you move through the world outside of your business, what can you always be counted on to do or bring? How can you always be counted on to show up to brunch or family Thanksgiving or whatever it may be? And I sat and thought about it for a while because we're in a really interesting, I think, inflection point of the industry where there I don't think have ever been so many creatives who are both the face of the business and the product. So it's really, I think for a lot of, a lot of the time, conventional wisdom was to keep your person, like your personal self, your personality and the business kind of separate, like it's better to have Mm -hmm. a brand. But when we, when we look at the modern era of branding and of being an online professional, like letting your personality shine through is important. So I really sat with this question for a minute and I realized one thing I can always be counted on to do, and I'm actually not really doing it right now, but we'll, we'll say the nails work, is I'm always wearing a statement piece of clothing or jewelry. Whenever I go out, like I like to dress up, I'm a jewelry gal, I'm a jewelry head, I collect antique jewelry, all that stuff. And I realized that that was serving the same purpose that I believe branding should serve. A statement piece of clothing or jewelry, when I put it on or whatever, um, handbag, shoes, whatever it is. When I put it on, it is to repel the people who do not want contact with me. They're mm-hmm. like, who's the crazy lady with the giant necklace over there? And it will attract those people who are into the vibe. So it's a conversation a piece is a conversation starter. It's a way to tell the world about who I am and what I'm all about without me having to say a single word. It really just gives you the right flavor right out the gate because I don't believe in being very mysterious. And right. branding generally a great brand, especially one that is, would fall into the personal brand category, whether it's you your, you have a team or an agency or whatever, if you're the face of the company, it's so important to have a brand that makes that kind of impact where it immediately repels the people who are not a fit and immediately mm-hmm. attracts the people who are like glue. And what really serves to do that to bring to revisit your question about three mm-hmm. things for people to think about is I really encourage people to think outside of the box with how what they think a brand can be a and also the pieces of themselves that they want to represent so I mentioned earlier conventional wisdom was to keep the personal and the business very separate and right now it's actually very important to show some of your personality and a little bit more of yourself obviously have boundaries you don't we don't need to hear you're like fighting with your spouse or whatever, but. Right it is really important to allow some of your personality to really seek through because that's how we create that connection, especially on social, like creating that really powerful trust between you and your audience involves to some degree revealing a little bit more of yourself than maybe you would have 10 years ago um, mm-hmm. or letting more of your personality shine through. So what I encourage people to think about is three categories when it comes to the brand because traditional branding is, okay, who is your audience? What's their problem? How do we solve it? How do we brand that? Great. And which that's not irrelevant. That's the the old ways. Sounds solid to me. But I encourage people to think outside the box in three additional categories. And the first category is you want to think about your specific talent. What is it? Sure, you may be a copywriter. Sure, you may be a strategist. Sure, you may be all these other things. But underneath the surface, what is actually the thing you enjoy most about your work? So for some people, it's the end result. For some people, they really nerd out on the process. Some people really feel their talent is in how they amalgamate all the ideas. I ask people to look at that. And that's a big piece of my strategy to just say, not just what do you do with your signature process, but why? Why do you take certain steps? And how does that tie into what your natural talents, your natural instincts are? Because that means when you build a brand that includes that, you don't feel like you're putting on a costume every day. It feels very natural. It feels like it's coming from you. The second thing I encourage people to think about when it comes to their brand or a brand that they want to create is also what kind of, and this is going to sound a little woo, but I promise it makes sense is what kind of energy do you really want to bring to the table? Because we have people like me who I'm just a Godzilla of a personality. I'm just, I'm literally stomping off the screen on my website for that reason. Because if I said, not a mysterious person, I just really want to hit you in the jugular Mm -hmm. with exactly what the deal is, as all the best brands should. So I encourage people, but also to think about if you are calmer and more subdued, if you have more of a luxury glamour vibe, if you are funny and quick and pissy, Thinking about the energy that you want to embody with your brand, which hopefully, especially if you are a personal brand, is tied to your energy as a person. Because I think Mm -hmm. when people think, okay, how do I need to come across as a personal brand? I need to be louder. I need to be the funniest person in the room. I need to be all places at once. I need to be an extrovert. And you don't actually need any of those things. I heard they say the introverts will inherit the internet. And truly, there's so many of y'all, but the energy side of things is really important because, again, not everyone's going to want to work with a loudmouth fast talker like me. Some people are going to want a more calm, a more luxurious experience or something different, something that feels like taking a vacation, perhaps, or somebody who's really a perfectionist and very detail oriented. like You want to make sure that energy comes through. So that's the second piece. And then third, and this is especially when it comes to content, I really... Encourage people to think about what is the truth that they really want to be telling. One of the first pieces I ever created was called the Statement Piece Framework, and it's still the freebie on my website. It's an idea generation tool because I think it's really important for creatives not just to react to what they react to what they see online, not just to be copying the person next to them, but to be thinking about okay, what do you want to see more of and less of in the industry? What's really important for you to share when it comes to your ideas? your content, how you put stuff together, how you shape your offers, how you treat your clients, the kind of difference you want to create in the market is as mm-hmm. much tied to your differentiation as your audience challenges and pain points. So it's really those three aspects. And at the intersection of that, when you examine all those pieces, so that's the just to recap for those following mm-hmm. along and how it's like the your talent, what do you do really, really well and why, your energy, how do you come across Are you big, loud, brassy? Are you a little bit more subdued, calm, chill, and anything in between? And then the third one is, what is the truth that you want to be telling with your content, with your work? What is so important for you to do and create as a brand that might run counter to a lot of stuff in your industry? Maybe you want to talk more about nuance than you see a lot of other people in your category doing. All of that stuff really matters. And at the intersection of those three things, you will often find common threads that you can weave together into the statement piece focal point of your brand. And the statement piece itself is more of like the concept of the brand as a whole. And I find those three aspects can create a really great umbrella that, as I said before, means when you're showing up as your brand, you don't feel like you're putting on a costume every day. It feels like you, you understand the pieces of it, the pillars of it, and it becomes easy to continue to evolve as you do because it's based in who you really are.
0: Yeah, that is all great stuff. I have a comment related to that. And I think sort of two questions that I would imagine people Love listening it. to this might have. So first, the comment is, I think one of the the things that people always fall into is this idea, which I think is in some ways the opposite of what you're saying, is a lot of people fall into that trap of, I got to be professional. Oh, yeah. Right. Whatever professional means. And in most cases, and this is true of anything, right? Branding, writing, whatever. Most times when people are trying to be professional, it's boring. Like it's just code for boring. It's code for don't offend anybody. Don't piss anybody off. It's funny, like where you talked about one of the things I always say is you want to be for someone, not for everyone. Absolutely. And I talk about drawing a line in the sand and that's exactly what you're talking about of let's write up front, make it clear that like this, there are going to be people that do not like this. And yeah. I think anytime people talk about being professional, almost always I find it's code for the exact opposite of that, be for yeah. everyone. I don't want anyone to go, oh, that person seems unprofessional. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? So I think that's one trap that I see tons of people fall into is if you find yourself going, well, how do I make myself look professional? How do I make this sound professional? You're probably going down the, down the wrong route. The questions I had for you is, and and I think they're a little different, but they're they are they are potentially related. So one is I think a lot of people will listen to this and they'll go, because people have different levels of self-awareness. So they go, that sounds great, Hillary, but I have no idea like what yeah. I what's yeah. unique about me or what my what my thing is. Yeah. And then I also think you're gonna have people who are like, but the things that I'm passionate about that I love don't align. I think there's an alignment piece that people, yeah. the truth is depending what you're working on, it still needs to be an alignment. You, it needs to be true to you, but I'm assuming it also needs to be an alignment. If you're yeah. an out there person and your services are aimed at church pastors or mm-hmm. aimed at a conservative market, you do have to pay some attention to that alignment. So mm-hmm. how do you yeah. think about those two things? People that are like, I don't know what my thing is, or my thing doesn't align with my ideal clients. Well,
1: this is, this is twofold, right? So first, I want to go to the, just touch briefly on the, I want to be a professional. Like, all of this mm-hmm. is a spectrum, right? Like, I'm not, yep. if you're a furry, I'm not telling you to just put on your furry suit and go dance on Instagram and do a real but, talking about By the suit. way,
0: this is my first podcast that's had a furry reference. Somewhere.
1: Amazing. I'm Yeah, so we've, really, it.
0: Exactly. I'm really we've really, exactly. Really
1: just through the gates here. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the, so that's, that is a, but what's really important in and to your point about professionalism is people often when it comes to especially person who is the face of the business and the product, the professionalism is like backing up a step. And it's like really cloaking your personality, which is actually a huge selling point for a lot of people because we don't just hire somebody like there's a million other people out there doing exactly the work that we all do. Why we're creative. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of us but your brand distinguishes you from everyone else out there doing exactly what it is that you do. And I think there's a spectrum between doing whatever you want and just spilling your guts and treating social media like a diary that nobody wants to see, and that's a little much. But there's also what you want to do is think about exactly what you pointed out, Josh, which is, okay, so if I have this part of me that I want to show, how do I share it through the lens of what is most relevant to my target market? So this is and this is the other thing that often happens when I'm doing this work with clients too, is sometimes we realize they're serving a certain target market and they don't like it and they actually want to be serving somebody over here or they want to be serving these types of people. The example I always use is um, just like what I just weight loss coaching is a really easy example. So let's say you are like a loud, brassy weight loss coach who's like, let's burn the diet books. Let's get this done. Your message is still going to be very, very different to if you are targeting like, let's say millennial moms who are mm-hmm. in their mid- 30s now and trying to shed that last 20 pounds, or women who are in their 60s who are retired and who are really interested in this next wave of their health. So it's important that viewing it through the lens of what your target market finds relevant is what makes it a brand. But really digging out the pieces of your personality, what I find the bulk of it is, is pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. And it's learning to study yourself. And a big part of what I do as a creative director and a positioning strategist is I'm the mirror. Like you give me everything you got, word vomit on me, that's fine. I can take it. I was a copywriter for 10 years. I have dealt with more word vomit than I could take a stick at. <laughs> but I provide a moment to go through everything and reflect back like, hey, I'm seeing you do this, this, and this. I think there's something to here. Let's follow Let's follow that thread. But if you are not working with somebody like me, it really is the patterns. So it's sort of like, what cl- kind of clients do you love, love working with? What kind of problems are you absolutely obsessed with solving? What are some compliments you hear from clients again and again about the mm-hmm. way that you work and what that work allows them to do with their businesses, with their lives, whatever it may be. Yeah. You want to start taking notice of yourself. And that is possible to do on your own. It just takes time. A little bit. Well, and I
0: think also like you're, and that's one of the nice things also about social media and content and putting stuff out there is people are saying stuff back to you. If you pay attention, they are, even if you don't hire someone as a mirror, they are mirroring back to you. I remember early on, like multiple people kept using the word generous and I didn't think of myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of that as a part of my thing because it came natural. Well, Yeah. I help people and whatever. But everyone, and at first it surprised me. And I think that's another tell too, right? When people are saying things to you and you, and I was like, God, why does everybody think I'm so generous? Like, I'm just sharing what I know. But I eventually realized like, oh yeah, that is a part of my brand. Like clearly that's standing out. It's not a coincidence that people are using that word. Oh, you're so good at simplifying things. And it's, that was actually intentional. Like I'm trying to do that. But when you start to hear that and it doesn't have to be a million people, right? Yeah, It could be two or three people who say the same word to you and just take a second and go, oh, that's interesting. Like that's what they're seeing. And I think a lot of times it is. The the stuff that is your brand comes so natural to you that you almost don't even really think about it. Like I didn't set out to be generous. I wasn't like my brand will be generous.
1: That's that's how the best brands get built. And this is the other thing why I don't work with brand new business owners. Cause you got to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. You got to set those paths. I, I will help newer business owners, but mm-hmm. like most people who are on, have already been through a few iterations of their brand by the time they get to me. Because yeah. it's very, it's like at that point a little bit more. And whether Mm -hmm. you can see the forest for the trees right now or not, you have the data and you have that feedback. And I love that you made that point about like generosity and working it in and not realizing. So I'm working on a mini book right now that it's almost done. Hello, book editor, if you're listening, (laughs) self-published, but it's called Trust Your Talent, um, a -hmm. personal branding primer for exceptional creatives. I might change the tagline. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But there's a section I have in here about exactly what you're talking about. And the way I frame it is like your talent, that core of what you do, which I mentioned earlier is one of the pillars, is what feels like ease to you, but looks like power to everybody else. And that is such a big one for creatives, especially because we can be so self-deprecating because creative work, inherently embarrassing, like Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, inherently embarrassing. We have to be putting ourselves out there all the time. And so anytime somebody gives us a compliment, sometimes we can be like, Oh, that's what she, Okay, well, maybe not. First of all, learn to take a compliment, creatives. Good lord, the amount of the amount of conversations I have around that alone. Learn to believe what people say to you that is positive, not just negative. Yeah. About your work, and start noticing to your point those patterns, and you will start to recognize what comes so easily to you and not to other people. The key is believing it enough to brand it, to brand yeah. around it. But that's such a. I love that you write that point because that's such a great green light in terms of like the things that can be included as elements of your brands. And also, congrats on being a generous spirit. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we
0: thank certainly you. certainly more of you. Thank you. You know, and the other thing also is the stuff they say about you and also the questions they come to you with, yeah. right? Okay. Because that's, that's a clear tip that they're like, I view that guy or that woman as someone that can help me with this. She seems, my guess is even before you started offering like creative director services. And we're going to talk about images and photos and branding and all that soon. But my guess is people were coming to you and being like, hey, I love your stuff. How do you, what do I, how do I do that? And so let's, I want to jump to the, to my second question here. And I want to talk about copywriting. You're a great copywriter. Your copy is great. So let's talk about why most people's copy sucks. (laughs) Basically, what do you think are the biggest mistakes that people make when writing copy? Why is so much of it? boring and bland and uninteresting or it's funny i see there's actually two buckets of problems some of them at both with copy but there's the sort of this is boring and not unique and nobody cares and then there's the sort of this is confusing and this doesn't act i have no idea you're trying to be creative and i have no clue what you even do or want me to do or any of that stuff Yep. So let, let's rant about why most oh, copies right. sucks and what How to do. How much time because we uh, got? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: No, well, as I mentioned, I was a copywriter for 10 years. I retired to do creative direction and positioning strategy and coaching in 2020. Really bold choice on my end, but it worked out. But <laughs> I find there tend to be, I'll start with the base level problem that you can fix today. And then mm. the problem with the process that I see. So the first thing is really specificity. Like I find when people are struggling to write copy, it's because it's far too general. I will help you again. Like I'm reverting to the life coach example where I have not worked with majority life coaches in a long time, but good, good people. But I'll use that, I'll just keep that as the example. Mm -hmm. Or let's say you're even a copywriter because even copywriters struggle to write their own stuff. If you're saying like, I will empower you to live your best life, or I will help you write copy that convert. Okay, great. It's sort of like, okay, who is this for? What is the experience going to be like? What do you love about this? What do you love about this offer? What excites you about it? And I think when I say specificity, this is point two. So we'll, we'll combine these two together. I always challenge my students and my own clients to do what I call taking the elevator one floor down. Um, because mm-hmm. often when we think about the traditional structure of a page of copy, right? So it's like, okay, top, let's say a sales page. Top of the page, headline, tagline. Pain points and challenges, benefits and goals. Then you go into the product description, the features, what they'll literally help them do, all of those things, Takeaway, And I find people get really, really generic in the one place they really have the opportunity to go for the jugular. And that is with the clients, your challenges are, the challenges, excuse me, your clients are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage them to think about, so let's say, you are a copywriter who works with mid-stage SaaS tech startups. And I find a lot of copywriters, especially, especially newer folks who've been around for two or three years or so, often revert to, do you hate writing your copy and have better things to do? Great. I'll come in and do it. And that's just right. not a good selling point, people. Like, you need yeah. to think about, okay, when we, think of, when we consider the audience, you've got these CEOs who are probably engineers. Not very good with the words, not very quippy. They love their products. They have no idea how to talk about it or sell it. And they've probably been like working with this jalopy of a website for years. And it's not interesting. And like their head of HR wrote the homepage and it seems to work. Anyway, Mm. so you want to think about as your client goes through their day to day, like obviously a lack of copy, a lack of effective copy on their site sucks. But let's take the elevator one floor What does that look like in their day to day? Like when they look at their website, how do they feel? What do they tell themselves when they're working with customers and their customers are telling them, I'm confused. I thought this was X, but it's actually Y. I'm unclear. Can you help me with this? What are they feeling and experiencing? Where are they leaving money on the table? And what does that actually look like in their day to day? Not just you're leaving money on the table, but to get more specific and say you're leaving money on the table, but You have so many other things to do. You wish you could just magic a strategic partner out of thin air to come, put it to the words to it so you can move on with your life, go get your next round of funding or whatever it is. Um, And I find just being willing to sit with the pain point and also the goals of your audience and think about not just what do they want, but also what is the experience of struggling with this or wanting this in their day to day? What does that look like? Just on the flip side of the coin, if we're talking about goals, let's say, The SaaS people want copy that converts. Okay, great. What does that mean for them? Does that mean that they're getting more, like they're going to wake up to an inbox full of demo requests, Mm -hmm. that full of like perfect people? Does that mean that they're going to be invited to speak at tech conferences about their work because people really get it and finally it's connecting? What do they actually want and how do we frame that in a way that they feel truly seeing? and understood because really that real estate, talking about your audience's challenges, it's, it's touted as very important, but people are right. so much more interested in getting to the features further down the page when they're writing it because they're excited about yeah. the offer, that they really neglect that powerful, powerful opportunity to reach through the screen and just grab someone by the neck. i like, I you gotcha. I know exactly where you are. And in my work, that's the, I would say if for any of my sales pages, that's what does most of the legwork for me. I hear Mm -hmm. this a lot where I have clients reading and they're like, oh, my God. Yep. 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 All these things. All these things. I feel that way. She's
0: talking to me. Are you
1: reading my diary? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say like specificity, taking the elevator one floor down. And also there is something to be said for giving your copy a little more time to cook. Like I think a lot of the terrible copy pages out there could be saved by getting a shitty first draft done and just giving it a little bit of time to Put down like the baseline, those foundational pieces, the stuff, you know, you need to include and then to spend some time going back and adding the flair and the flavor and maybe mm-hmm. some inside jokes with your audience or whatever it may be. Granted, I don't want to say this because some people listening are like, I've let my copy cook for the last three years and I still have the <laughs> right. website. I'm not directed at y'all, but right. y'all you right. gotta hire a copywriter, and get it done. Right. But I would say for a lot of people, the the kiss of death for copywriting is rushing it out the door in a way that hasn't allowed you to sort of infuse what you're so excited about when mm-hmm. it comes to the product and the product and like what they offer, whatever it is that you're selling. If you haven't taken the time to sort of infuse the copy with that and think about what it means, how you would say it, how you want to talk about it, how you want to frame it, you lose a lot of potential for obviously new customers, but also that really deep connection with any readers. But Mm -hmm. it also takes away when you're on a podcast like this or whether you're being interviewed, when you're being asked about your work, if your copy is all generic, I mean, probably the conversations you're having are too, because you just haven't given yourself the time to think more deeply about it. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you, I love that. I'm a big believer in specifics as well. So two, two specific items, like what quick tip or something you would have. So one is, let's say, as far as headlines go, and could be a headline for a sales page, could be a blog post, could be a video, could be this okay. podcast episode. How do you think about, or what would be your sort of quick tip to someone that's out there who's like, I got to figure out a headline for this. What What would you tell them to think about?
1: I encourage people to think about one of the, my biggest <laughs> tricks is like the change one word trick. So it's, first of all, get the headline, get the headline out there. Just write, write the basic one. So let's say-
0: Let's if, do this podcast episode. Let's, no, let's, let's, I was
1: like, you got, listen, I'll invoice you after the show, Jack. Okay. So we are- Sitting here, and talking about branding. We're talking about creativity. We're talking about being both the face and the product that's being sold. Mm-hmm. What does that look like when you want to cut through the noise? So at the baseline would be the baseline sort of word. The first thing that comes to my head is like cutting through the noise with Hillary Weiss. Mm-hmm. We've heard of that a lot, have we not? Right. So a really fun trick that I like to use is basically flipping one word. So whether it's the word "cutting through the noise," maybe we mm-hmm. change it to "smashing through the noise," mm-hmm. or maybe we say "cutting through the the, the boring blah" as opposed mm-hmm. to "cutting through the noise." Just giving yourself the basics and then flipping one or two words to make it a little more electric, a little more engaging. Um, yeah. I find I love that. And I'm guessing
0: when you when you when you cut or change that word, yeah. that in most cases you're amplifying it.
1: Exactly. Right. so you're, you're
0: amplifying or exaggerating. You're going from yeah,
1: then you want to think about, ok, let's say it's cutting through the noise. Where's that title fall down aside from the fact that we've heard it a bunch? And it's just it's not just cutting. We mm-hmm. are going juggernaut style through the screen, smashing our heads through the social mm-hmm. media feed to make sure people see us and can't take their eyes off us. That's what we're talking about here today. Well,
0: well and I think not that that's the funny. perfect thing, but 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 I think also, you know, what's interesting is, when you start talking about that, even in an exaggerated, like we're going juggernaut style through exactly. the, like most people wouldn't, it would never occur to them that that sort of like casual, well, that could be the headline, right? Yeah. We're going juggernaut style through the noise. And like the fact that it is that what, what some people think of, like, well, I couldn't do that. That sounds unprofessional. Mm-hmm. That sounds awkward or colloquial or whatever. That's like, no, that's the point. Exactly. The, the fact that no one's writing that Is the whole point. Like I always say that you don't stand out by fitting in. Yeah, exactly. The goal is to do something that's going to be different. And that obviously applies to headlines as well. One last quick copywriting question. So the same thing with how do you think a quick tip for someone about calls to action? And that could be the, oh, buy this here. It could be the sign up for my newsletter. It could be Mm -hmm. whatever the action is you want someone to take. Mm-hmm. Any quick tips for when they transition from, I've given you all this stuff and you relate to it, but at some point I got to actually make <laughs> me ask and tell you what to do. Yep. What do you think about that?
1: So obviously we've got the classics, buy now, click here. You, know, you, mm-hmm. you don't have to mess with the great. but I find this is, and this brings it back to thinking about all of this, your personality or how you want to come across online through the lens of what's most relevant to your audience. So for me, when I'm writing a call to action, I think about who my audience is. And how I would say, call to them across a party and invite them to grab a beer. Or what they would say if I was like, here, this is this magical thing that I've made for you? Would they say, "A gimme, I can't wait. Would they say, yeah. ooh, I'll take two, please. Oh, just kidding. We'll start with one. That kind of thing. Right. Make the conversation on your, like either whether the button is by now, or you have a funny phrase ahead of it. I find a really good call to action includes is that it feels like a call across a room to somebody. It says, you, come here. Or it says, I'm ready to do this. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Your person is at the emotional point that you need them to be at that call to action. What are they saying? Are they saying, I'm in, let's go. Like, I'm already getting, I'm already putting my super suit on. Let's roll. Mm -hmm. Are they saying, this sounds interesting or this sounds like exactly what I need? Are they saying, are they hopefully saying, that you had me at hello, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So I find that's a way to judge it up. You don't have to mess too Mm -hmm. much with classic. But it's really important. And this is, again, taking the elevator one floor down as you go through the Mm -hmm. logic of an individual page. What mental point do we think our audience is at? And then how can we speak to them directly? Oh, my God, you had me at hello. You read my mind. Let's do this. Gimme. That kind of stuff can be really, really just a fun way to put a little extra flavor, a little extra spin on what you do. And I just, before we move on to the next question, I just need to say, I do understand the fear of not looking professional. I I don't want to, we're making jokes about it, but I I don't want to poo-poo it because there is a certain vulnerability in allowing yourself to be seen in a more creative way.
0: But and like, it's got to fit, right? Like the other exactly. thing is you do, it does yeah. have to align with your audience. Yeah. I'm not saying never be professional in Absolutely. any way. You do have to understand who you're, who you're talking to. You see people yeah. that go the other way and I'm like, no, no billionaire is yeah. hiring you. What are you talking yep. about? But the thing that I love that you just said about calls to action, which I'm translating or interpreting from what you said that I hadn't really thought about before. What you're saying is inject emotion into that call yep. to action and that emotion can be and in most cases will probably be an excitement to buy an excitement to whatever but it also could be the the frustration right i can't take exactly. it anymore i'm tired of working with clients i hate give me God, the give me the advice and i think it's probably again i know it's something i'm going to start thinking about like looking at those call to actions and go have i injected an emotion into this and yep. i think just trying to do that probably is a nice little, I don't like the word hack, but a nice little sort of framework that you can use to amp up those things and really tap into that. Because the truth is like, there should be some emotional pull to any action that anyone's going to say. And and it's, but if they don't necessarily click into that, it's the job of the writer to help them click into, yeah, I do feel frustrated about that. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm all right, give me this. I'm tired of being lazy. I want want to do this thing. But it's really interesting to think about and experiment with as you test, right? that let's say it's like a workout plan i'm fired up to get in shape today versus i'm tired of being lazy yeah but those are two different emotions amen. and they're going to trigger differently in different people yep. and my guess is through testing you probably see that depending on your audience and the specifics and a million things one of those is probably going to work much better and yeah. both of them will probably work better than just get my workout plan exactly
1: and that's that's again every every sort of all those key points are opportunities for connection or an opportunity yeah. to give them a taste of what you are like as a person, as well as the, what the experience of working with you is, but also to make them feel really seen, heard and understood, which is yeah. really- And also-
0: they'll attract different people. The person that's like, I'm fed up with being lazy is going to be a different client than the person exactly. that's, I want to, rah, rah, let's go. I'm let's, ready to feel you know, my
1: best. Yeah.
0: Cool. So let me get to my third question for you, even though I know I've already asked you a bunch, but this po- this, whole po- this whole, this po- whole, the whole positioning of this podcast is a giant cheat, anyway. <laughs> okay. So my third question. I want to tap into your creative director mind. You're, yeah. and by the way, we'll put a link in the show notes. Go check out Hillary's website and her Instagram and her photos, and thank yeah, you. It's, it's really, really good. We, I, 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 I'm with you and I can talk copywriting and all that, but when it comes to this sort of photo, <laughs> like not, not so much as evidenced by my like, terrorist hostage situation background uh, OK, so anyway, okay. your photos, your brand, your look, all of it. super powerful thank and distinctive. You. If someone is getting ready to do a photo shoot for themselves, for their brand, they can't hire you to help them for whatever reason because you're booked for the next 8,000 years and you're the top of the game. I mean, what are your what advice would you have for them in order to help them create something that stands out and aligns with their brands visually? How do they bring this to life?
1: Absolutely, it's so a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a, I, 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 I'll package this up as neatly as I can. Um, mm-hmm. So. One of the things I really encourage my clients to think about, and I have a mini workshop that I sell periodically called the Camera Ready Workshop, where we talk about this whole process. The first goal of deciding what a photo shoot is going to be like is you want to think about the vibe. So this also goes back to what kind of energy are you trying to serve? Your ideal, What's your audience going to resonate with? So you want to think about, okay, are we doing like pop art style thing? Do we want to do something a little softer? Are you going to be in your living room because you want People to see your space and it's very calming. Do you want to feel like you're very luxurious and upper crust? Do you want to prove that you're really down home and in the trenches? And despite the fact that you charge X amount of money, you're a guy who wears Converse with his desired jeans, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You want to think about what's really important for me to convey with this shoot because the reason why we have a million business shoes that look brand shoes that look exactly the same, right. and I'm gonna I'll throw a couple descriptors out there. On the couch barefoot with a cup of coffee, laughing at nothing. Yeah. Sitting at a cafe. Right. Looking into the distance, laughing at nothing. Holding your laptop, looking at your laptop, laughing at nothing. Mm. Like it's just very there are some beats for brand photography that make sense. Cause here I am working. But you really have an opportunity with your photos to do something a little bit different if you plan for it. So let's say you're for me, like my vibe is very high energy, very pop art. Right, so we did a studio shoot, and we planned to the hill. We know every shot. And with all my clients, we do very mm-hmm. high concept shoots based on the, the concept for the brand. So we plan everything to the hill about, okay, what are the shots we're getting? What are the special effects that are needed? What is the backdrop? What's the editing going to look like? Most people do not have to do that, But you right. want to think about, okay, let's say you're a little bit rock and roll. Get your, And when you think about wardrobe, get yourself in a leather jacket. Get yourself in a cool mm-hmm. pair of blue jeans. You you do not have to pretend to hop on a motorcycle, but you're probably going to want to be in a right. setting that gives the idea of a little bit more down home, a little bit more edgy. So let's say you can go take photos at like your favorite local brewery, where you're at your laptop, like having a beer, chilling. If that's the vibe you're going for, uh, let's say you're a little a little bit of a fancier human, but you're still you still have a lot of personality, a lot of flavor then you might want to plan for a shoot, say, at a hotel where you're wearing, like, a really great color palette and you're doing some fun stuff over there in this, like, luxurious, very cool-looking space. But when it comes to planning, you really want to look at not just what's the vibe and what sort of are the inspiration images that speak to what you're going for, but also specifically which images. I find oh, where a lot of creative direction for photo shoots falls down is <laughs> people will send me, like, a 70 image pin board and I'm like mm. okay which one of these are the ones you like like that are you're really drawn to and they're like the whole thing it's just it's just everything it's right. and I'm like okay Mm-mm. we gotta get really specific Like, so do your Pinterest board figure out like which of the shots you're most drawn to what are the shots you may want to emulate and then you start playing. which photos in a perfect world if you want to go high level which photos are going to go on which pages of this do you want to be creating different scenes based on each photo, each sort of page of the site. So for example, do you want your homepage to include you? Let's say we're doing the hotel shoot at the front of the hotel, welcoming people in, where you have the about page where you're more like sitting on a bed, a little bit more relaxed or whatever. And then the services page is in the lobby because you've got some really beautiful stuff there and it feels like the lobby of your website. That kind of thing is something that you want to think about. You also want to plan props. I really recommend people use props of, of some kind, whether it's a cup of coffee, gotta help you, Or a laptop or a notebook or something that you have on your desk that you really like, having props and something to do with your hands can be really helpful. And then another thing I recommend people do ahead of a photo shoot and the planning process is going through what expressions you want to share and also what are some poses that really work. Because when I'm working with clients, none of my clients are professional models. I have yet to work with a single professional model. So when you get in front of the camera, it's very easy to just freeze up and be like, oh no, what do I do with it? I was many, many years, very awkward right. in front of the camera. I would actually have to do a shot of whiskey before I got into the camera because i would be so locked up and weird. Mm-hmm. I, want a, I have a big features. I have a lot of lines on my face. So if one eyeball is closed, you're going to know. Um, right. I really just had to loosen up and be positive. So I would say planning as much as you can. Your photographer will hopefully, if they're good at what they do, will be able mm-hmm. to help point out what information is going to be most helpful? You don't want yourself too in your head, but I do find a lot of photographers struggle to really direct the subject. Mm-hmm. Like before I started doing this work, when I would be in front of a camera on my own, the, camera, the photographer would be snapping, even if it was a friend. Then I'd be like, what What am I supposed to do? And they're like, I don't know, something. And it's all like, oh, that. Right. That is not helpful. Helpful, so if you're, yeah. They're really clear on the vision, what it means for the brand. And why you're making specific creative choices about the setting, about mm-hmm. the outfit, about the props, about the poses, the expression, then it becomes a lot easier to capture. And mm-hmm. then you you don't you're not standing in front of a camera looking like you're being kidnapped, which I yeah. have seen happen unfortunately.
0: Are there any? And obviously, it's totally different based on brand and goals and all mm-hmm. that. But are there any types of shots that? you think are like helpful for people to get that maybe they don't think about. Like you you should always I'm making this up, but you might be like, oh, you know what? If you're gonna do a shoot, make sure you at least take a couple like out in public around other people or like that kind of thing where you're like, people don't necessarily think do this, but they're easy to get and they tend to come in handy down the road.
1: It's honestly for me, the biggest one, and this is what a lot of people forget about, is, and this is going to sound lame, so I apologize in advance, <laughs> but getting a landscape shot with a blank wall of some kind behind you, and at least a mm. few different shots, can be huge because people will forget mm-hmm. to do this, and that. So they're taking, they, especially if the photographer is not a brand photographer, more of a portrait photographer. Let's say a wedding photographer that you liked, and that you were like, "Can you shoot for my the brand?" They almost always forget to do the landscape shots that you can add text to or effects to in post. Mm. And that's actually really important to make sure that you get because if you have too much clutter going on, it's really, really hard to make it mm. look good on the site to have the words and the graphics and everything make sense. So that's the first thing. Make sure you get the so make sure you get the landscape shot for your headers. Mm. Think about the headers of each page of the site when you're thinking when you're planning the shoot. I find that's a really good anchor point, okay, because you want to leave space for happy accidents. You don't want to plan so much to the hill that you freeze mm-hmm. up. But I find like making sure you get the landscape shot, making sure you're thinking about header shots. We there's a few shots we tend to do. Like we do, I have a big white desk with uh, a big white table with legs that lower and lengthen, mm-hmm. so we can do some really cool desk shots that way. And what I also like is having some elements of people's lives on the desk. So it's not just, Mm -hmm. here's my laptop and phone. Hello? Is that a business? Oh, yes, I'm also a business. (laughs) Or if you're like on your cell phone, I find-
0: This is me consulting.
1: Yes, exactly. Here I am consulting. I haven't had a consult call on an actual cell phone in about 10 years.
0: Here we are.
1: But I think what's really, really important is to think about little Easter eggs that are about Mm -hmm. your life and your brand. So let's say maybe you're somebody who brings a lot of spice to your work and you're talking about that, having a little emoji flame on your desk, like they do those Mm -hmm. like 3D printed like emoji models can be really cute. For some of my clients, we've had like favorite, unfortunately, coffee mugs. Sometimes we do crystals Mm -hmm. sometimes. And sometimes the desk just looks super chaotic and there's stuff Mm -hmm. all over it. And we want to make sure that comes through too. So I think getting like a bit of a fantasy desk shot can be really fun and putting in some Easter eggs that really feel like you can yeah. be a blast too. You, so you're not just sitting there pretending to be on yourself up.
0: And I think also like one, one of the things about this that I actually do understand is that that I think people overlook is everything and every one of these images is a choice yeah. that is saying something. I remember I had a client who was a wedding planner and we were talking about her homepage and her homepage had a sort of big image that was going to be like of a beautiful wedding. And I remember saying to her, you can do whatever you want. But a photo of a young wealthy couple, big fancy wedding, sends a different message than five people on a mountaintop. Exactly, right? and and an image of a gay couple says something different than an image of an African American couple. And yep. like all of it is fine, but understand. I think what she had done was like she took a nice photo from one of the weddings she did, yep. and she used that as her thing. Look this. And- right and it's that looks nice but just understand that maybe you want multiple photos that show that you do different kinds of weddings or whatever yeah and i think that understanding that every every image that you put out there is sending some that people are making assumptions based on what they what they see yep
1: exactly Um, exactly i think and i'm glad you raised that point too because i i should have started with this you're answering my questions for me josh like he really is (laughs) When you're doing, when you do the kind of high concept photography that we do, which is a little more advanced than I think Mm -hmm. some of your people will need who are just doing their first or maybe second shoot, but every single one has to tell a story that has to Mm -hmm. serve the larger concept of the brand. So for example, like you see the photos on my site where I'm like Mm -hmm. jumping out of the screen and doing all those stuff, the, all that stuff, the concept for the shoot was larger than life. So, you'll yeah. see me with a lot of hard angles. I'm literally coming out of the
0: laptop. There's all. And different- it matches. This goes back to alignment, right? It'll, it matches yeah, exactly. the copy. It matches the, the yes. vibe, the, the all I'll, of I'll, it. I'll
1: tell you something funny. Y'all can't see this, but Josh will. So, I have here the Silver Slime. So, for those who are not familiar with my brand, primary colors and disco balls yeah. are a big part of it and a big part of the motifs in my work. And now people send me primary color things and disco ball things in my Instagram DMs constantly. And I'm yeah, just surrounded so by disco on all sides. My husband is, I think we have too much disco and he doesn't get a choice.
0: <laughs> but that's how you That's how you know it's working. Exactly. When people are like, oh, they're like, Hillary, I got to send this to Hillary. This you is right. what yeah. you
1: want to be doing, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're I'm showing Josh the slime. So you see this silver slime here, it pulls out. It's very gross looking, very cool. Mm-hmm. So you notice in my bio, that I had the words getting to the guts of things in the bio. And that's Mm -hmm. actually the concept for the shoot I'm going to be doing for my website overhaul that's happening in August. And for the image that I already know what the header, probably, and we leave Mm -hmm. space for happy accident, what the header image is going to be. And I have a disco ball ice bucket. And so if you take Mm -hmm. the top off, it just looks like a disco ball with the head shaved, like with the head sliced off. And so I'm going to have this slime in my hand dripping out of the disco ball while I'm writing notes. And the headline is going to be branding that gets to the guts of things. It's cool. Which is it's like the disco ball has guts, you see, but this is yeah. how far ahead you have to plan for the It
0: doesn't just it doesn't just happen.
1: Exactly. So let enough. me
0: ask you, and this may be this may be on your website, but any examples of Because obviously your brand is very unique, but it's very you and you help other people with all Uh sorts of all sorts of different brands. People you want to mention, either their websites or their Instagram that you've worked with, just so people could get a sense of sort of different versions of this.
1: Check out Renee Sager, R-E-N-A-E-S-A-A-G-E-R. I believe she is a confidence coach and she's awesome. And the whole theme for her shoot was Get Ballsy. So we mm-hmm. put her in a bathtub with a bunch of ball pit balls, and we had this really mm-hmm. fun before these were like really fun before and after juxtaposition shots. Where in one shot she's like wearing a gray sweatsuit and like eating a spinach leaf, and is like, and in the next shot it's like bright colors, and there's like a mm-hmm. beautiful slice of cheese pizza and a cupcake and like a nice little right. salad and a diet coke over here. So we were showing that another one of my clients, her website should be rolling out in the next couple months, Marisa Corcoran, who is a former copywriter. Now, she, well, she is a copywriter, but she's a more of an educator and a thought leader. And, and she's a, also a strategist for summits. So she's basically mm-hmm. helping people build a, these like really iconic messages and businesses. So her theme, her concept was the intentional icon. And so we had her in these sort of iconic looks because she's a big time, like classic rock mm-hmm. girl. So we had her mm-hmm. in her like vintage panties and the boots and the cool jeans and like the big coats. She looked like a rock star. But yeah. we also had people who were brought in to represent the community and she was interacting with them and so it it created this sort of iconic look the colors are these beautiful red, red blue gray and white so not it doesn't look as america as it sounds right um, very edgy very like rock and roll mm-hmm. and it's about doing creating a platform for yourself so you can become a rising tide that lifts all boats so that's what we tied together with the images you can check her out that's her she's m tony M-T-O-N-I on Instagram. There is also my girl, Grace and Grit. Her name is Courtney Townley, and she is a, I'm I'm referencing all my coaches here, but I can give you Mm -hmm. more by the by. But she is a coach for women in midlife. And her concept for her visual brand, and you can go to graceandgrit.com, was the the power years. So teaching Mm -hmm. people that midlife is a chance to really stand up and live your most powerful years. So this is your hmm. time to stop people pleasing, to be in the best physical shape, to take care of your body chemistry and all of that. And to create that, she's actually a dancer. She was it's a good brand, smart brand. Yeah, she danced with that. I could see
0: people eating that up.
1: Exactly. And for these yeah. midlife women, it's hell yeah. That's an instant yes. Yeah. We had some really fun black, pink, and like a neon orange. Were her three colors. I had to talk her into that. She's a Montana girl, but now it's all she wears. So that does happen periodically.
0: That's so Uh, cool. So one last, one last quick question for you. A lot of my audience, including myself, they sell info products. They have courses, they, that kind of thing where maybe what they're teaching people, there's a difference between a wedding planner where like, it's very clear to see the the visuals, whatever. Right. But if I, if I have a course on how to grow your newsletter. Yep. And like for now, I don't have any photos of myself on any of those course pages Uh or any of that kind of stuff. But if I did or if anyone out there was going to do that where it's like a course that's not inherently like visual, but they want like how should they think about what kind of photos to to tie to that kind of stuff?
1: You want to think about the ethos of the author. So like Mm -hmm. if it's, it's, this is obviously a very broad question. So let me see what I can dial in and get specific. So let's say it's an info product about starting a newsletter that people absolutely love to read and and take Mm -hmm. their eyes off of. It could be really fun to play with the idea of a newsletter you can't look away from. So maybe it's Mm -hmm. like the first image is just somebody with like a a newspaper in front of their heads. Mm -hmm. You've edited it in post to say like your newsletter become the... One thing, become a bright spot in people's inbox, I think is Laura Belgray's quote. But I think you want to think about, okay, you could have that image initially. You can just have images of yourself or people like really glued to their phones and just, oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh, there's stuff going on around them but they can't look up because they're so addicted to...
0: Use the the image to reflect the desired result. Exactly, the desired Um, outcome and the Yeah, the desired outcome. Absolutely. Again, if
1: you're a little goofy, you're going to want to... If you're a silly little punchy brand, that's you could do what I recommend, that if you're a little... It's a little bit like, I want to create a really beautiful spellbinding uh, Mm -hmm. newsletter. And then it's... If we're... Let's say we're going with the image of somebody reading, you can have an image of somebody like reading a beautiful book, like a really... Fantasy novel totally absorbed, yeah, and say, Don't you want your newsletter to feel like this?
0: Yeah, right. And it's interesting because, like, I have another like cohort pr- program, right, that I ran before that was like how to use a newsletter to get clients. Yeah, well, how to grow a newsletter and how to use a newsletter to get clients are really different. And you could see how the images yes. that you would like, they're both quote unquote newsletter courses, yep. but they're really different in what people want to get out of exactly.
1: it. Exactly, exactly. So, you cool. want to think about what's the end result. What is the experience? And this brings us back to our three pillars. What is the experience, the energy inside the room? What is the key thing you're going to teach them that no one else can teach them in the way that you do? And also like how, what makes this, what's the truth you're telling here? What's making this different from everything else? You want to go back to that and you can create visual cues around those ideas.
0: Yeah. Hillary, this was amazing. I called my shot in the beginning, actually (laughs) called your shot. You lived up to it. Made, made, made me look good. That's what I'm uh, Thank
1: you, Josh.
0: <laughs> tell everybody where they can go check out your stuff and all the other things.
1: Absolutely. This is where you know. hear me do this on every podcast interview I ever do. So I apologize to everyone who's heard this joke before. But this is my chance to use my radio voice. So for now, oh, you can check me out at com. That's H-I-L-L-A-R-Y-W-E-I-S-S dot com where you can sign up for my newsletter and get my statement piece framework, which is that idea generation tool I mentioned earlier. My site will be Hillary dot com in a few months, but don't worry, it'll redirect because I'm finally using my married name. <laughs> yeah, it's been married three years and we're finally starting to do that. But you can also come check me out on Instagram at H.C. Weiss. That's at h c w e i s s. That's where I spend most of my time. If you love silly deep dives, if you love carousel, little mini essays, if you love goofy reels about business and creativity and visual branding and everything in between strategy positioning, come say hi. And for those listening, if you want to come say hi, I would really love to talk to you. I love meeting new people. I'm a very social human. So I would love for you to drop in my DMs and first of all, say hello and introduce yourself. And if you, I would love to hear one thing you took away from this podcast or maybe something you disagreed with. I would love to hear more about it. Something you really loved, really hated. I don't mind. Just come say hello. You can call me whatever you want as long as you call me. But I love yeah. to meet people in the space. Would love to learn more about you. And I'm just so excited for people to tune in. And and thank you all so much for listening. And the video. phenomenal. We got to look out for each other on these internet streets. And. It's just been such a pleasure to be here with you, Josh. So thanks for inviting awesome. me.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm gonna make I'm gonna make one more prediction. I predict you're gonna hear from multiple people in my audience. <laughs> and you're also gonna get at least one, if not more, clients out of this. I I feel like you and I, it's interesting. Like I you and I are very different in some ways, but I think we see the world the same way. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's why I just know I was excited to have you on, and I know yeah. that the way you think about and approach things I think is really going to resonate with my audience. So okay. I'm sure you're going to hear from people for my nonsense, my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe, my skill sessions, joshspector.com slash sessions. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast and ask me three questions, go to joshspector.com slash questions to submit them. I'm on Twitter all the time at JSpector. I appreciate you listening. You've already probably tuned out because you've heard me talk about that stuff before. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. Hillary, this was awesome. Have a great week.
1: Thanks so much. Bye, y'all.